0: Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. I was shocked to read the statistic shared by today's guest that 34% of the U.S. population suffers from a chronic illness. How does that impact the world of work? Julie Hamilton is a workplace consultant, chronic illness specialist, and author of Chronic Illness at Work, How Managers Can Support Employees with Chronic Illness. In this conversation, she shares her journey as an HR professional managing her chronic illness and why employees are reluctant to disclose their illnesses. We also talk about finding purpose later in life, productivity versus socialization, why open communication and trust are essential tools in building empathy, humor's role in her life, and how her chronic illness helped her be a better leader. Most importantly, Julie explains why taking care of yourself and giving yourself grace are two of the most important things you can do daily. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co706. I love asking this question of everyone I talk to, because no matter the industry, no matter the philosophy of work, there's always something unique to learn. But what are you endlessly curious about?
1: My thing is right now, um, going through some changes in life, Mm -hmm. you know, as I age is really trying to find my purpose and how you find your purpose in life. You know, when you're younger, you know, you kind of have your goals or you have your family of you your kids, you, your goal or your purpose is to be a parent, to raise them well, teach them. They're out of the house. You like to see them get married. You have your, your career, your work on that. But now like you're in that retirement age, so to speak. What is your purpose? It's trying to find And how do you find that at this age?
0: Any answers to that question of how you find it at a later age?
1: No, but if you, I mean, I still have the passion to help people and help them grow and make them feel better and all that. But if I'm not in a business or workplace setting, how do I do that just on my own, you know, so to speak, so... But if you have any guidance or our words of wisdom, I'd like to hear them.
0: Well, I don't know if I have guidance or words of wisdom, but I imagine as one gets older, the desire to stay within a con like a, a certain identity or set of understandings about life, like keep it manageable. And I wonder what role, especially as you get older, having an open mind, having an a curiosity to explore new things, as opposed to just, well, is it chicken or beef tonight? You know that. Yeah, kind of yeah, it, yeah.
1: It, it's it's kind of like that. And you know, in your in your younger age, I think that you always want to explore new things or go new places, experience all that. And then you get to this age and you're like, eh, I don't really want to go do that. I want to do my energy with my family, you know, my siblings, my kids, my grandkids, you know, it, it your whole life, I think just comes back to what is my purpose, yeah. I guess. I don't know.
0: And if there isn't a bigger question than that, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Or if there is a better question than that, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because
0: it's one, yeah, it's just one of those questions that weaves throughout our entire life. And I think that I've always held to the belief that if I found it at a younger age, like it would stay consistent throughout Mm -hmm. my life and nothing could be further from the truth.
1: Exactly. Yeah. All, all my, uh, career I should say because I was in HR for 25 years or something that was my passion I loved it I was that HR geek that everybody hates you know I loved HR I loved working with the people I loved being out there I love making those connections and helping them but now that I'm not in that setting and I don't have that, it's just different, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the things that I was shocked when I was reading your bio in one sheet is that you quote a, a statistic that 34% of the U.S. population suffers from a chronic illness. And yes. I mean, That just blew my mind. And I think the first question that I have is, is that trending upward or downward? Uh-huh. I think it's trending upward. And what impact does that have on work?
1: Well, if you think about this, you know, I ask people, okay, do you have any employees with a chronic illness? No. Okay. Six out of 10 people have a chronic illness. Four out of 10 have two or more. Hmm. So if you have 20 employees, 500 employees, think, or a thousand Think of how many how those have a chronic illness and they're not sharing it with you because they're too scared. Yeah. Because through my own journey with a chronic illness and working with my clients who have had a chronic illness, that's the scary part. How much do I tell my employer because I'm afraid I'm going to get fired? Yeah. You know. Because I have high absenteeism, my productivity's low. I have brain fog. All of that at work, and they just think I'm becoming lazy. But I don't want to tell them because I need my insurance. I need my job. I need this income. Yeah. But I think with uh, COVID, especially, you're going to see that trend increase because of all the stress that covid brought on whether it was family relationships financial employment whatever and stress plays a huge gamut in all of that creating or developing i don't know what the right word is there but a chronic illness whether that's diabetes blood pressure um fibromyalgia um Any type of chronic pain. I mean, it just goes lists goes on, alcoholism,
0: um, all of that. It's interesting that you mentioned COVID too, because there was a short period of time where it seemed like we were taking health seriously, at least from a systematic level, where you could be like, oh, well, you know, you have more access to healthcare, you have more access to, you know, free vaccines, you have all this stuff. And now we're in this really interesting period where it's almost as if none of it ever happened and none of it ever existed mm-hmm. because they're reverting back to where things were before, I feel.
1: Yes, I I do agree with that. And, you know, I think some businesses found out that we could do our jobs remotely, but now they're saying, oh, no, you can't do your job remotely. It's a must that you'd be back in the office well is it a must you know if i have a chronic illness of some kind can you work with me can it be a hybrid maybe on a bad flare day or a bad i call them bad health days you know where my illness is not cooperating with me um can i work at home that day because I can't stand to be around the people and the noise and the lights and the temperatures and all of that. But I can be just as productive at home. Because if you think about it, a lot of times we don't go to the office to be more productive. We go to the office to be more socialized, you know, around... I always say the water cooler, but that's so old school. So the coffee pot or the break room or even somebody's desk, everybody just congregates around somebody's desk and chit chats, you know, how much time is spent on socialization at work versus productivity. So
0: socialization is an interesting one too, because I think about the connection to like social media and how, you know, it's social media is frowned at work. But we're mm-hmm. trying to socialize with different people because maybe we don't like the people that we have to socialize with at work.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But also, social media is helping businesses f- with their products or their marketing. Or so it's kind of like a—is it a rock in a hard place or yeah. or what? You know, social media has its benefits as well.
0: Has it played any role, social media, that is, in helping to advance the conversation around chronic illness and work?
1: I think it exposes it better um, through, I mean, like Facebook, um, maybe not so much Snapchat, but uh, LinkedIn, um, TikTok, Instagram. You know, you can put stuff on there about chronic illnesses um whether you're a, a business a, a coach there's so many coaches now which is kind of unique career fields but coaches specializing in different illnesses like thyroids fibromyalgia lupus you know just, not just like life coaching or business coaching but actually the health aspects of it so i think social media helps us get that message out there that yeah we're here to help you.
0: Interesting. Is, you mentioned a couple of illnesses just now. Is there a common definition of what a chronic illness is?
1: Yes. A chronic illness is something that lasts long term. So, you know, like a flu is not a chronic illness because you get it over relatively quickly. So it lasts probably longer than a year. You seek medical attention on a regular basis and really a chronic illness. You may go into like a remission, but you never get better. Does that make sense? I mean, you have remission where you're feeling better, but you still have the illness long term.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I can totally see why a business would be, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but maybe overly cautious. Yeah. And I can also see how it can be totally discriminatory too, if they knew ahead of time.
1: Oh yeah. And I think what they what they look at is, oh, you have a chronic illness. Oh gosh, I don't know how to deal with you. So I'm gonna go. But what they do is they should look at the ROI because it can increase productivity, decrease Turnover decrease absenteeism. If you have them work with coaches in their specialty, it can reduce their medical costs. So then, you know, the insurances will come down, or and their modification or mod factors in their insurance programs will come down. It's just you need to be able to think outside the box. And sometimes we are so black and white, we don't want to work in that gray area. Yeah. Or we're in this little square. We don't want to color outside the lines, right? So that's the. Yeah. I think that's one of the big issues. It's safe to stay in there.
0: Oh, completely safe. Mm-hmm. As a former HR professional, who's that was your passion? You know, how did yeah. you? How did you bring a sense of compassion and understanding when people would come with to you? With chronic illnesses.
1: You know, since I have it, I live with it. I can be empathetic with them mm-hmm. because I can understand not all illnesses are visible. Yeah. And that's the thing we think, oh, well, you look good. <laughs> You're smiling today. Right. You're not really ill. Well, we have the, that saying, you fake it till you make it. So... You know, it's it's being non-judgmental. It's having that open door, that compassion, making those connections and finding out what's really going on with your employee. And then they're not going to be scared to talk to you.
0: And And that process of building trust has to take a long time. It's not just a switch that flips for a lot of people, especially in the work. Right.
1: Trust and open communication, I think, are the keys.
0: It's interesting you mentioned the invisible symptoms too, because I think you know mental health is Mm -hmm. could be defined as a chronic illness too. But Mm -hmm. I think societally, we're quick to accept physical chronic illnesses, but maybe not mental illness yet.
1: Yes, yes, but I think there it's there's a change coming on that. That's good, and I think COVID and the isolation of that really has made a huge impact. And if you read more social media or watch TV or uh, read or anything with celebrities, you're going to see that mental illness and health all are coming out more and more right now. So I think that that's going to make a huge impact and change here.
0: I hope that as a society, we'll also kind of rise up with that continued conversation and demand better services for, you know, mental health so that, you know, we don't have to suffer in silence.
1: Yeah. Get rid of that stigma. I
0: think. Cause I mean, for myself, I've, I've, I've struggled with depression on and off my entire life. And the more that I'm open about it, you know, I, I hope that other people feel comfortable in, in talking about it too.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it, and statistics will show that people who even have chronic illnesses are high in depression and anxiety. So, if you have the chronic illness and people who don't have what are some chronic illnesses but suffer with still suffer with depression and anxiety, I mean, that's huge in today's society. So, I just think we we need better help in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding.
0: How have you taken what you've learned through your own chronic illness journey Mm -hmm. and your work in HR and seen a way to help elevate that conversation around how we can treat people and, and how we can change our view on chronic illness at work.
1: I authored a book that came out in September, Chronic Illness at Work, because here I'd been an HR person. I worked in a healthcare industry and not a lot of the, the nursing staff had an understanding. Even my management staff didn't have an understanding what it was. So I had to teach them, okay? So there's that piece of it. And and I knew what laws and stuff could apply to me since i was hr and then i started working with clients who have a chronic illness and what i was hearing is my employer doesn't understand how do i talk to him how much do i tell him what rights do i have all that so i took those two gamuts together and wrote this book chronic illness at work to help businesses understand how to work with individuals who have a chronic illness what they can do better you know what to look at ideas on on how to make that transition from where we are now to becoming a a, a all-inclusive culture including everyone so but yeah, I that's kind of how I I did it personally was to create that space for that.
0: As you're writing this book, as as you're diving into research and remembering your own stories, what are some of those surprising moments that kind of caught you off guard into how you thought about the subject? Hmm.
1: That's that's a deep dive question. I think it's just that there's no compassion we've lost our compassion for others everything is so dollar sign driven that we forget our people are people they're humans they're not a number they have feelings they have families they have health issues they are real and I think sometimes we forget that so I guess maybe that was it
0: How have businesses responded to your book as you present it to them?
1: They haven't been open to it. They're still in that safe black and white space. And it's hard to get them to open their minds to that. But I think that if they'd be more willing to work with individuals and understand that, that community, I guess, maybe it would help to fill some of the open positions that they have or retain the employees they have. So I know from personal experience, and maybe my bosses felt different, (laughs) Um, but I thought I was a really good HR person, really good, because I knew my laws, I knew what was going on, I knew right and wrong, I knew that. Mm -hmm. But then when I got ill, I was in that struggle area. You know, maybe not that stellar employee anymore. So I had to work at getting back up there. But it wasn't just my work. It was working with the staff as well and having others help me get there and learning tricks and tools that I use that would help me remember things or get through the brain fog or the sense of overwhelmment and meetings and things like that.
0: It sounds like, too, you It you almost became a better leader of the people around you.
1: I think so. I think it really opened my heart and my compassion for people who were really struggling. Hmm. I think that's really opened up my heart for that, you know, more empathy.
0: Yeah. And I like the way you describe that, too, because I think regardless of whether someone works in HR or... You know, they're a podcaster or a logo designer. There's always room for more empathy for the person that you're working with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I always felt that everybody's job was important. It didn't. It didn't matter if I was HR or a nurse or um, food service or custodial or laundry. It takes all of us to make this work. And so I really emphasize that. So I think when you have that compassion and let people know, hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate the job you're doing. What can I do to help you? How can I make your job easier for you? I think that's important.
0: It's interesting to consider chronic illness at the level of like an organization, Mm-hmm. I was also thinking about it from the context of entrepreneurs and self-employed professionals, because it can be easily one of those things that just gets swept under the mat and and shoved aside because mm-hmm. the resources aren't there. You don't have someone like you going to bat, knowing the laws. Right. Yeah. So what what can people do who are entrepreneurs and self-employed professionals do? when they have chronic illnesses and they want to not lose what they've built.
1: I think at some point, I mean, I, 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 my brain is like coming up with all these things. A big question. Um, yeah. One thing I would do is learn what you can about whatever illness it is. Hmm. Find out if there's a coach that specializes in that, because that, that's going to really help you learn to manage whatever it is in your life, whether it's fibro, lupus, thyroid, life. Put yourself first. If you don't do self-care and take care of yourself first, it really doesn't matter if you own a business, you're president of some business, a CEO of a large conglomerate. It's not going to matter if you don't take care of yourself. And always give yourself grace. You know, today is a bad day, whatever. Give yourself grace for that. Allow yourself to have that day, but tomorrow wake up with a positive attitude and, and try to make it the best day you can.
0: I was surprised when he just said, find a coach who specializes in your chronic illness. And I've never once considered that there would be a coach that specializes in those areas. That's really fascinating.
1: Yeah. And I I think that not a lot of people are aware of that. Like in my niche is obviously fibromyalgia. We have coaches, I want to say globally, you know, Ireland, Norway, Spain, a lot here in the U.S., a few in Canada that I know. And, you know, what's great about our network is okay, maybe I don't know so much about environmental issues, like how sensitivity to environment stuff can be affecting my fibro, but one of my friends in Canada does. So we might do a co coach session with a client together and she'll give her ideas okay. or him. So, Yeah, that's what's great about finding a coach that specializes in your illness. Normally, they live it, they know it, breathe it, and have done so much research, training, education on it, they know how to help you.
0: How do you go? Is it just a Google search or is it asking people around you to find those resources? Um, Sometimes it's just a Google search our
1: podcasts. Podcasts are great, you know, to find that kind of stuff. I think finding books on it, any kind of book, because a lot of, like, just uh, fibromyalgia is my, and chronic pain is my, uh, my specialty. So, you know, I can tell you people in that area that specialize, doctors, other coaches, you know, things to do for it. So, I think, you know, if you, you just do a lot of research, Google, go on Amazon or go to Barnes & Noble, whatever, any kind of book thing that you can research on is great, too.
0: You also touched on something that I would love to kind of dig deeper on, and it's having grace for oneself. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that if there's anything that seems like it's part of the human condition it's beating beating oneself up when you're not perfect or when you're not performing at the level you might want how how can we be more compassionate with ourselves
1: you know i lived in a negative type world for 21 years and i think that that really affected my mindset And so, when I went through a transformation of myself, really helped with that, changing that mindset and learning to give myself grace. And that is positive affirmations um, daily. Every morning, I started with, I don't know, six maybe every morning. Did those for a month or two, changed them. You know, those positive affirmations, counting your blessings trying to start each day with a positive attitude and knowing, you know, yeah, I'm g- I'm still going to have those bad days, but I'm not going to wallow in it forever. I'm going to give myself today and tomorrow's a new day and start over. That worked for me and um I've kind of helped some clients change that mindset as well. So
0: what does it look like when You're faced with a day where you just feel the pain so deeply, and yet you can't wrap your mind or you can't build up that positive mindset.
1: That's a day you give yourself grace. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, okay, today is not the best day. I'm going to try to find joy in the little things today. Yeah, And tomorrow I'm getting back on track but I got to find something good today.
0: You strike me as someone who likes to laugh a lot. Yeah. How does does humor work in all of this? Oh, I think it's awesome.
1: (laughs) I think you got to have that sense of humor. It just releases so many emotions, all that stress, negativity. And, you know, if you do research, how many times a day does a child laugh? I don't, I can't remember the number one time I looked it up. It's like 500 times or a hundred or something. We as adults don't even laugh maybe five or six times a day. If that, think of that. So our, our joy in life as a kid is like this. And as an adult, it's like this. And it's like, why, why quit taking yourself so seriously? You know, it's, I don't know. I just like to have fun and I like to see smiles on other people's faces.
0: So are you a joke teller? Are you a comedy special listener or are you just an observational humorist? Like where, where does your humor like to come in that?
1: I think just observational. I can't remember jokes for the life of me. I like to think I'm great at it, but I know it's not my specialty. Um, and i'm not like a comedian or anything i just like to look at the lighter or the funny things in life cuz it happens every day
0: how has being a coach transformed the work that you do outside of hr
1: you know it it has helped me make those one on one connections with individuals Um, it gives me the feel good to know that I've really helped somebody. Because one of my, I wouldn't say worst clients, but longest clients, I worked with her a year and a half. And when I started with her, she was off work on uh, family medical leave. She couldn't lift, lift her head off the pillow. She was so sick. And by the time we were done, she was back to work, working 30 hours a week at you know, she had that um, hybrid, and this was before COVID. She was working some at home. She was work going in the office. We got the accommodations for her, all that. And I think that is, wow, that's really awesome that I could use my expertise and knowledge and skill and help this person get from this to this. And I think that's just a personal reward for me.
0: Yeah. When you're coaching those suffering from a chronic illness, how is it different than coaching just someone who has an everyday life that wants to reach a goal or whatever they want to do?
1: I think from their side, knowing that I have it helps them because they know I understand it because so many people don't understand it i get it i live it so i have that empathy um now if i was coaching somebody that doesn't have have it that's fine because i guess most of my career i was coaching and mentoring i i just find the joy in in uh, helping people and watching them grow and helping them be the best that they can be
0: Have you always had the ability to see the blocks and barriers that hold people back?
1: No, I think that is something I developed over time and age. Because when I think when I was younger, it was all about me. And as you get older, your perspective changes, and I wanted it to be about them. So, I don't know. I don't know if that answers it,
0: but well, I don't know if I was seeking an answer for that question more of just like you really got me thinking about yeah. the journey from me to them. I think that's yeah, that's very yeah. insightful. I think about creativity as well, since a lot of the people that listen to the show are creative entrepreneurs of some sort. And it's like we almost go in an inverse pattern where we do the work that we think other people will like or validate or desire and mm-hmm. it's a journey to then do the work that brings us the most joy and value to ourselves that then makes the biggest impact on other people. It's 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 a weird kind of relationship.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You're spending all your time over here doing things that you think are working and people are like yeah yeah, yeah, i don't know but then when you do something that's full of your passion and joy other people really see that and that's what they connect with Yeah, because they can see it on your face they can see it in the the work that you're doing or their product you're developing or Or the talks that you're giving, they hear that passion in your voice, so I think that makes a difference.
0: Really does. Like I can hear the passion in your voice throughout (laughs) the whole conversation. I mean, probably
1: probably too much. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) No, it's great. I mean, I think that you're providing a, a really awesome example of how to communicate at a level that you are sharing what you care about and it's thank you for that well julie as we wrap up our time together you've shared a lot of good wisdom with us but what wisdom would you like to leave with the audience
1: don't take yourself too serious and the other one is don't forget to put yourself first do that self-care you know take care of yourself and Because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody or anything else. But make sure you laugh every day.
0: (laughs) More than 10 times.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: If you're going to 10x something, 10x your laughter.
1: Exactly.
0: Final question for you. What book, podcast, or resource is blowing your mind right now?
1: You know, I I have thought about that recently and I don't know if it's a specific book or podcast, but the thing that I am finding so fascinating is this AI and GBT chat that can write like books or chapters or blogs or you know, it it may look like I'm on this screen talking and it it's just technology and that is just blowing my mind. Maybe someday I'll just be replaced by something else, you know? And it's it's fascinating, but I also think it's very, very scary. And too bad I didn't think of it and invent it.
0: (laughs) Every once in a while, I'll hit a a creative block. And so I'll go to chat GPT and type in like, what are issues that creative people deal with? And I'll just kind of read what it spits out. I'm like, tell me more. And it spits out more. Tell me even more spits out more. All right. I go on and do something else.
1: (laughs) But don't you find that fascinating? Like, um, I was talking to the publisher that published my book and she's like, people are using this to write their book. They'll come up with a topic and this will come up with their whole book. It doesn't have that personalization or that feel good you know that you know what i'm that touchy feely thing that can come from you but wow yeah it's like crazy yeah
0: i've been nerding out on the image generation stuff where you can like type a prompt and it spits out images oh yeah on that prompt and i think at first i had a real existential crisis about it and, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've been able to turn it into more of like a curious, playful approach where mm-hmm. I, I'm not like, this is the end of life as we know it. I'll just be like, okay, I'm just going to have a really good time coming up with silly images and have fun doing that. And yeah, that, helps. that
1: cre- it's getting that creativity in your mind going. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, in some ways it could be challenging, challenge us to be better at what we do um but man it is kind of scary we could be replaced by all of that i don't want to go to work today so i'm sending my ai and via zoom
0: <laughs> or what if what if our personal brand is really just a, an extension of ourselves through ai and we never have to go to work exactly exactly <laughs> like that movie with michael keaton where he clones himself and yeah The clone clones himself and creates a very interesting clone. So Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it's crazy. Crazy.
0: Uh, Well, Julie, thank you so much for being on Getting Work to Work. This has been a very fun conversation, and I'm very grateful for the work that you share with the world. And I hope that wherever you're headed next to find purpose and meaning, it's there for you. And I can't wait. I hope you'll come back and share what you discover.
1: I hope to. I hope to. And and thanks, Chris, for having me today. It's been fun.
0: Whether you are suffering from a chronic illness or not, I hope you found this conversation illuminating about how we can be more inclusive and less judgmental. If there are two things that really stood out to me, it's the need to take care of yourself and to give yourself grace. I don't know about you, but I tend to put myself last and constantly beat myself up. How much happier and healthier could I be, could we all be, if we took those words to heart and put them into action? Something for you to ponder. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.